Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hey, I have been sent to the principal's office a number of times for what you might call a less than positive reason. It's probably no surprise to you that I have been sent to the principal's office for those kinds of reasons. But I want to know, have you ever been sent to the principal's office for a less than positive reason? If so, would you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand loud and proud. All right, ushers, watch those people. Make sure they don't take from the offering bags. Okay, keep that, keep that there. I'm probably getting fired for that, but <laughs> worth it. No, my crimes include oh, tackling a mascot. Uh, my crimes include egging my teacher. Uh, not her car, not her house, her physical body. So I have great aim, uh, too. I didn't miss once, so it was awesome. But no, sixth grade was a big year for me. First day of sixth grade, I wasn't technically sent to the principal's office. I was sent to the assistant principal's office, which was worse because the assistant principal was my dad. It was never a good time when I went to see Mr. Dad in his office. But in sixth grade, you were allowed two electives. My first elective was yearbook. Absolutely terrible at yearbook. My second elective was physical education, gym class. I was pumped about gym class. In my sixth grade, uh, they did it like this. On the first day of school, you were assigned a teammate, and that person was your teammate every day until the last day of school. I don't know why they did it this way, but this is how they did it, and so I knew that it mattered. It was of the utmost importance who my teammate was on the first day of school. I wanted my best friend, Jared. He was athletic. I thought we could win every game, set, and match if we were teammates, but as Mrs. Beeler was calling off the roster, assigning teammates, I was not assigned with with Jared, I was, I was placed with who I thought was the worst possible option to be a teammate. His name was Kyler. Man, Kyler was terribly unathletic. He was uncoordinated. He was kind of weird. Nobody really wanted to be around him. And so when Mrs. Beeler called my name and then Kyler's name and said that we were now teammates for the rest of the year, I walked up to Mrs. Beeler and I said, I'm not going to be his partner. And Mrs. Beeler said, go talk to your dad about that. And so I walked down to Mr. Dad's office and Mr. Dad was sitting in his his chair right behind his big desk and on top of his big desk was a big wooden paddle and I knew exactly what the big wooden paddle was gonna be used for if I didn't agree to be Kyler's gym partner. And so Mr. Dad and I, we kind of looked at each other for just one second. I knew the message. I walked back to gym class and sat down next to Kyler and we lost every game, set, and match we played that year. Our relationship was rocky at first. I didn't like being around Kyler, but as September rolled into October, we began to high-five and fist bump. November rolled into December, we hit the bro hug stage. And in second semester, uh, Kyler, who had previously sat by himself at lunch, began to sit with my friends and I. And it wasn't just me showing kindness to Kyler. One day I was going up for a layup in gym class, and this kid shoved me in the middle of my layup, and I fell to the ground. And I was standing up to fight this kid, but before I could do that, Kyler had already shoved him down to the ground and called him a name my mom said I was never allowed to say. And we were showing God's love to each other right there. That's, how, that's what we were doing. But the, 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 the biggest lesson, the most important lesson I learned in the sixth grade was not in math class, science class, history class. It was from my dad. My dad is a Jesus follower, and he wanted to remind me of something. He wanted to teach me something. It's this, that we love because he first loved us. We just finished a two and a half year sermon series called The Gospel. I'm excited to let you know that today we're beginning an 11 year series through Leviticus. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> no, Mark trusted me with one weekend. So this is what you call a standalone sermon. He didn't want me to mess up anybody else's sermons with my sermons. So we're talking today about how we respond to the gospel. 
how we respond to the gospel. If I learned, I'm so grateful for the gospel series. The two and a half years we spent looking at Jesus, man. And if I learned one thing from this, it's that God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son to die for us. And this is what I want you to hear today. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. We love because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, reads this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is the gospel. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Jesus prompts our love and his love is continued throughout history via the church. Has the church always been perfect? No, we've missed the mark many a times. Even before the church had its genesis, Jesus and his 12 disciples, his 12 disciples couldn't even really figure it out completely. You have James and John, two of Jesus' closest comrades, And there's this conversation. They begin to vow for the position at the right and left of Jesus in his glory. They want to be the top dogs of the kingdom. And this is human nature. We fight to get on the top. We fight to ascend the ladder. This is just human nature. I I watched a video a couple of weeks ago on the internet. It made me think of this story. And so would you check this out? This is awesome. Slow motion. Boom. Hey, no surprise that that is a a middle child who was doing that right there. No surprise at all. Hey, our first sin, humanity's first sin, eating the fruit because we wanted to be like God. Little did we know our God is a servant. Our King Jesus is is a servant. Jesus gathered disciples around when James and John wanted to be the top dogs, and and he said this to them. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our, our king is a servant, and this gospel of our king shapes us. It, it, it makes us into his image. It shapes us into the likeness of Jesus. And, and the church has not always been perfect, but the church has been empowered by the Holy Spirit. The gospel has moved amongst the church from its beginning, in its present, and it will till the end as, as the church loves other people as the church loves itself and loves the world. At the outset of the church, Luke, the author of Acts, gives us this picture about the church. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 45, Luke writes this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The outside of the church, we are characterized by our love for God and our love for other people, and that has continued throughout history. Tertullian, who was an early defender of the Christian faith, and he wrote this about the church. 
It is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. See how they love one another, they say, for they themselves, referring to the world, are animated by mutual hatred. How they are even ready to die for one another, they say, for they themselves will sooner put to death. Tertullian was writing this during a, a time in history when the world was rotten. It doesn't do it justice to say that the world hated itself, for the world hated far more than, than I'm sorry, it doesn't do it justice to say the world hated the church, for the world like hated itself. And one of the examples I have is captured in this Latin expression called expositio, which is the practice of abandoning unwanted children, leaving them to die. In ancient Rome, there would be common places where adults would leave these children to die. And the Christians knew where these places were. And so the Christians would frequently and intentionally go to these places, gather the children, bring them to their own homes, and raise them as their own sons and their own daughters. Why would they do this? Because he first loved us. Did you know that on any given day, there are over 400,000 children, American children, in the foster care system? Some of these children are placed in, 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 in loving homes, but some are placed in group home environments. Uh, last year, in 2018, over 17,000 children aged out of our foster care system, never having been adopted by a permanent family. Maggie Shade, our community impact minister, told me on Thursday that a lot of American pr prison systems will, will look at the number of children aging out of the foster care system to predict future incarcerations because it provides such an accurate number. This breaks my heart. Now is the time for the church to step up and to step into the foster care community and to serve as foster parents and advocates within the foster care system. And you may be sitting there like, man, I would love to. I just don't know how. Lucky for you, you go to a church that wants to help you get involved. We're hosting two events this fall, the first of which is on October 26th. It's called Foster Parent Night Out. If you are a foster parent in our church or you know a foster parent in our community, I want you to invite them to this. This is an event on October 26th here at our church where foster parents can drop their children off in a safe uh, childcare environment. Uh, have, there's going to be games and food and recreation, and they can go enjoy a date uh, to themselves. And if you're not a foster parent, but you want to serve the foster care community, can I encourage you to talk to Maggie Shade about signing up and being a part of this to provide childcare and recreation and fun for these kids? The second one is November 10th. It's a screening of the film called Hard to Place. Our friends at Christ and Youth produced it, and I've seen this film, and it will move you. November 10th, we're going to watch the film, and there's going to be a panel of people talking about different ways you can get involved in foster care. Once again, I want to ask you, would you reach out to Maggie Shade about getting involved in foster care and serving? Because our church cares about children, and we want to serve the foster care community. And we just want to help kids in our community who need a little more support. And that's why during the month of September, we're doing our school food drive. We're partnering with our local school districts. Uh, we're, we're providing uh, cheese crackers, peanut butter crackers, granola bars, and applesauce during the month of September. And I want to encourage our church. Man, would you go clear the shelves of Walmart and Target and Sam's Club, buy all the applesauce they have, all the granola bars and crackers they have, and bring it to the church? Or, because we don't want to have any kid in our community go to bed hungry at night. And why are we doing this? Man, because he first loved us. And on a similar note, any month of the year that you want to bring Reese's, peanut butter cups, and Kit Kats to my office, I will take them as donations. Don't trust them with any of my coworkers. They will eat them before they get to where they're supposed to go. Hey, for real though, let's make sure no kid in our community goes to bed hungry. 
Let's get grocery bags upon grocery bags in our lobbies filled with food so that we can make sure our kids are fed. Justin Martyr, another early defender of the faith, wrote this. We who used to value the acquisition of wealth and possessions more than anything now bring what we have into a common fund and share it with anyone who needs it. We who used to hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or country, now because of Christ, we live together with such people and pray for our enemies. I have the privilege of working on the student ministry team. I work with a phenomenal team of people, one of which is Adam Andrew. He's our events and trips coordinator. You probably know Adam and his wife, Christina. Did you know twice a year they host garage sales for the express purpose of raising money to send students and, and leaders on mission trips? They get donations and they sell their own things and they raise all of this money and they give it away. And it seems so absurd to some. Why would they do this? Why would they give all this money away? I know the answer because I've been to their house and I've seen it right above their fireplace mantle. One verse that reads, we love because he first loved us. A lot of you know that Andrew and I are in the middle of the adoption process. And one of the biggest uh, hurdles that Andrew and I are, are trying to overcome with the path we've taken toward adoption is the cost. And a lot of you have been so generous to us and you've given us money and, and supported us with your prayers and we are grateful for that. About a month ago, Maggie Shade texted me and she said that she had an envelope for us from an anonymous donor in our church uh, that wanted to give us a gift. And we got the envelope and we opened it up and inside was a very generous gift, but there was also this letter. If I'm being honest with you, I think I was more excited about the letter. Let me read you the first paragraph. Drake and Andrea, our family is part of your CCO family. As we read about your adoption call and journey on Facebook, our hearts were stirred. We have entered a journey of trusting God's provision because he has called us to give him 35% of our gross income and to invest it in the kingdom work locally and globally. I'm excited. There's a family in our church giving over a third of their income to ministry and missions. And why would they do this? I guess I don't technically know the answer because they're anonymous to me. But if I had to take a wild guess, I'd say it's because he first loved us. A Clement served as Pope from 8088 to 8099, and he wrote this about the person who has come to know God. He said, he impoverishes himself out of love so that he is certain he may never overlook a brother in need, especially if he knows he can bear poverty better than his brother. He likewise considers the pain of another as his own pain. And if he suffers any hardship because of having giving out of his own poverty, he does not complain. A student ministry is probably going to go down as the most exhausting job I will ever have. But I'm so grateful for the position God has me in in this season because I have a front row seat to watching young people act compassionately toward others. And so far, there are two scenes that will never escape my mind when, I, when I've watched young people act compassionately. The first of which is of a senior girl in our church. Her name is Taylor. Last March, we went to the Dominican Republic, and one day we were in this village working with this pastor named Joel, and Joel introduced us to this lady whose house needed some repairing. And I mean no disrespect to this lady, but her house is more like, looked more like a dilapidated shed. It was falling apart, and the wind and the rain were making her living situation unbearable. And so our task that day was to, was to take old boards off and put new boards on. And what broke my heart the most was that this lady's husband had just left her, and one of her daughters was paralyzed from the neck down. And we were to repair the house. A tailor and I just happened to be on the same side, the side where this little girl's bedroom was. And we were taking old boards off and putting new boards on. And all the while, 
And I didn't know this because she told me, but Taylor was being stung over and over again by fire ants. And I got stung that day for the first time, and it hurt, man. You ever been stung by a fire ant? It doesn't feel good. And I made a scene out of it. I was hooping and hollering, making a big deal. Like, I wanted people to know I had been stung. Taylor's actions that day reminded me of Clement's words. He does not complain, or in this case, she does not complain. And she didn't let anybody, anybody know. She just continued to take old boards off and put new boards on because she didn't want this little girl to have to suffer from the wind and the rain. She wanted to protect her. That scene will never leave my mind. And I'm probably biased, but I think every high school student should go to the Dominican Republic with the student ministry. We're going again in March. I want to encourage you to, to sign up. If you're a high school student, hey, make it happen. It's going to cost you money. You're going to have to fundraise and, and take some effort into getting there, but it'll be worth it. If you're a parent who has a high school kid and you just want to send him to another country, this is your opportunity to do just that, all right? We'll take him. We'll take him. But for real, sign-ups end at the end of September. And uh, if you have any questions about the Dominican Republic, Adam and Andrew's information is going to pop up on the screen, and you can take your phone out and email him about any questions you have about getting to the Dominican. Second scene that will never leave my mind. I was a senior in Bible college, and I was traveling back to my home church in Oklahoma twice a week. I was, I was spending my entire paycheck on the tolls going to and from Oklahoma. It was absolutely ridiculous. There was a student in our ministry. He had just been diagnosed with cancer and had to undergo chemotherapy. And one Wednesday night, I was driving back, and James, another youth pastor at the church, texted me and let me know that he had shaved his head. I was preparing myself to pray with my friend, to encourage my friend, to hug my friend. When I got to the church, what I didn't expect was to see his entire small group with their heads shaved. If you walked with me into the church that day, you wouldn't have been able to tell me which kid had cancer because there were so many of them with shaved heads. I've never seen a more clear picture of Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens in Christ. Why'd they shave their heads? Oh, because he first loved us. Hey, from the beginning, the church is loved. And until the end, the church will love. This is who we are. This is what we do. The elephant in the room is this. Man, we've acted in a disobedience sometimes. We don't have perfect marks when it comes to love. I'll be the first to admit it. The most clear memory I have of disobedience to the Holy Spirit was when I was driving to that youth ministry I just told you about. Driving down I-44, just past downstream, the Oklahoma sign was on my right, and I heard God whisper to me, pick him up. I didn't see him yet, so I didn't know what God was talking about, but a few, few, few minutes down the road, I... I saw this man walk on the shoulder of I-44, and once again, God said, pick him up. As I got closer to the man, I could see that he had a cardboard sign on, on his back that read Tulsa. And I was headed to Tulsa. I knew very clearly what God was wanting me to do. He was wanting me to give this man a ride to Tulsa. And you need to know this for me. It's not like a thing. I have a tally marks of, of how many people I've picked up because I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I don't like talking to strangers. This is not something I do. This was a very clear command from God, pick him up. And so as I got closer, I drove right on by. A few miles up the road, the Holy Spirit began to convict me with some verses I memorized in Bible college. We love because he first loved us. Anyone who claims to love God but hates his brother or sister is a liar. For if you do not love your brother or sister whom you have seen, you cannot love God whom you have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And I drove Right on by, right on by. Some of you may be sitting here this morning. I've already mentioned it, but God has been stirring in your hearts to serve as foster parents or within the foster care community. Maybe God's been stirring your heart for a while. 
Here's my encouragement to you. Don't delay your obedience. Don't drive right on by. I'm not asking you to go into this uncalled. But if God is moving you toward foster care, then be obedient to the Spirit's leading in your life. Talk to people in our church because there's a lot of them who have fostered before. Ask their wisdom. Ask their advice. If God's calling you to serve as an advocate in the foster care community, talk to Maggie Shade about ways that you can do just that. But don't delay your obedience. Don't drive right on by. A lot of you know that at Christ Church we have ministry partners, impact partners is what we call them around here, both locally and globally. Uh, locally, we have water gardens, bundles of hope, fostering hope. Internationally, we have partners in Mexico, Thailand, Taiwan, Southeast Asia, India, Japan. Our missional impact minister, Matt Gilchrist, is in the process right now of forming teams to care for our ministries and our missionaries. This isn't even a financial commitment. It's a commitment of time, commitment of mindfulness, a commitment of prayer. Some of you have some of our impact partners on your mind a lot, and God might be calling you to serve them even more than you're doing right now, to give to them even more than you're giving right now. My encouragement to you is this. Don't delay your obedience. Don't drive right on by. Let me talk about our community for a second. We live in a community, an awesome community, but I'm gonna put this down actually because I need to get on a soapbox. Um, I, man, two things that bother me about our community, okay? And this is not just unique to our community, but the first of which is this. When I go to a gas station to fill my car up with gas, um, and you might be like, what do you drive? I drive a Toyota Camry, and I know it's awesome. So uh, when, I go, when I go to fill my gas, my, my gas tank up, I, uh, I get there, and there's a busy gas station, you know, and I'm like looking for a pump. And, and what bothers me more than anything is when I observe someone who has the audacity to fill their car up, then, then leave their car there while they go into the store to get a Kit Kat or go to the bathroom. That bothers me. No, the proper etiquette you center is to fill your car up and park it in a different parking spot so I can fill my tank up with gas. I'm getting heated. My next one, my next big, this is my biggest pet peeve actually. Oh my goodness, Lord help me. But uh, when I go, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm driving, I, I sound like my dad. Is this what fatherhood is like? You just complain about like driving? I don't know. But but I'm, when I'm going to a parking lot, I'm trying to find a parking spot, and, and, I, and I try to whip into one, and there, somebody has left a shopping cart in the middle of the parking spot. This bothers me so much. And then I have to back up, and like people behind me are like, do you even know what you're doing? I'm like, yes, but somebody else did. It's not my fault. I promise. I'm, get, I'm getting heated, so I'll stop. But I always try to act like Jesus in all situations, right? So if I, if I see a shopping cart left in the parking lot, I'll put it in the cart bin, or I'll use it myself if... If I see someone park their car at a gas pump and they go inside, I'll slash their tires. You know, it's just, it's what, it's what Jesus would do. Tyler Bate asked me, he goes, bro, what if somebody parked their shopping cart in front of a gas pump? And I said, I'd probably fight them. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. But hey, let me ask you this. Does it bother you that in our community there are kids who are hungry? Does it bother you that in our community there are widows who are lonely? Does it bother you that there are addicts in our community who feel trapped? Does it bother you that there's racial tension and prejudice in our community? That what Dr. King said might just be true, that the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, church time. It bothers me. These injustices bother me. If they bother you, then I have an offer for you. Let's fight these injustices together, church. Let's move toward love together. Andrew and I, in the middle of this adoption process, I think that our story, our adoption story, started long before we were even married. 
And I don't even mean in the theological sense that God has planned all things out for. Yes, that is true, but let me be more specific. Andrew and I are high school sweethearts. We met when, thank you. We met when, we met when I was 15, Andrea was 14. I pranked her house, got caught. I saw the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen in my life. She saw the dumbest boy she'd ever seen in her life. It was a true love story from the get-go. But in the same youth group, Three of our five youth pastors fostered and or adopted. And that leaves an impression on a kid. In this case, two kids who would fall in love, get married with the conviction that God was calling them to adopt. Uh, some scripture that's been on Andrew and I's mind through this adoption process is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, which, which says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're trying to move toward love and adoption, and we're moving toward love and adoption, no doubt in my mind, because of our proximity towards our youth pastors who fostered and adopted. And I'll make it no secret, but I hope that there's Christ Church students who, when they're 25 years old, are in the middle of this adoption process, sweating their home study, just like I'm doing right now, because of their proximity to Andrea and I. I just put one of those gliders together this past week and I was sitting in it this week and praying for specific students at Christ Church. Lord, would you call them to adopt? Would you shape them to adopt? Because I want to live a life that's spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. I want to be a part of a church that's spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. So church, let's move toward love and foster care. Let's move toward love and generosity. Let's move toward love and missions, toward love and reconciliation, toward love and unity, toward love and freedom. And when we move toward love, let's move toward love together. And you might be asking, why are we moving toward love? Because he first loved us. Hey, would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for your love. For the love that you sent, your son Jesus, your one and only son. And Father, we want to respond to your love by loving other people well. Father, continue to stir in the hearts of the people in this room. Father, to fight injustices, to do good. Father, to glorify you with our lives. Father, we want to do this to honor you and to help people. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.